Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today we've got Ryan McIntyre, President of Mavericks Metals. Uh, we've got Kevin Bullock, President CEO of Anaconda Mining and also James Wirthel, of, uh, CEO of Rupert Resources, joins us um, today. Uh, gentlemen, could I just get you to kick, kick off and give us a 30 seconds on each of yourselves? Um, Ryan, why don't you start off um, with you and then I'll go Kevin, James after that. Sure. Uh, well, Mavericks Metals is a precious metals royalty and streaming company. Uh, we currently have 125 royalties and streams and expect to generate over 60 million US dollars uh, this year at a 90% uh, gross cash margin. Uh, we currently have a 700 million US dollar market cap and are dual listed on both the New York and Toronto stock exchanges. Kevin Bullock, President and CEO of Anaconda Mining. Anaconda Mining is developing a large project in Nova Scotia called Goldboro, which is going to produce 100,000 ounces a year for 11 years plus. Uh, we currently have small production in Newfoundland and have been cash flow positive for the last uh, uh, 10 or so years uh, building an operating team in, in Newfoundland. Hi there, I'm James Weather, the CEO of Rupert Resources. We're a Finland-focused uh, exploration company that made the, the Ikari discovery uh, back in uh, March 2020 and about 4 million ounces, 2.5 grams, so quite an exceptional discovery. We uh, continue to move that forward towards uh, engineering and development while still exploring the region, which is, is an exciting part of the world. So currently we've, uh, we're well positioned with about 50 million Canadian in cash as well. Uh, guys, thanks for joining me today. Look, I want your help. Um, we've had lots of questions sent in. I also want some help, help myself. So trying to understand what's going on in the market at the moment. We've seen in the last uh, three, four weeks, retail step back from investing in the junior um, equity space. Um, but institutions haven't. Money is available for mining companies that need it. Um, but I suspect that's on a very sort of selective uh, basis. Those companies need to meet certain criteria. Um, so, I mean, what, where I want to go with this, and maybe Ryan, you're the best guy to start with, is why do you think it is that retail are slightly nervous at the moment? What's going on out there in the economy? What's, what's, what's driving that kind of step back? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things is just all the uncertainty out there. I mean, you, you know, you start off with inflation, which people see literally every day when they go to the grocery store or fill up their car with gas. And I think, you know, as they cut up their budget, uh, you know, more is going towards, you know, buying goods and services. And obviously, I think less is going towards investing. So I think it's partially a function of that. And then there's the other aspect of it as well as, you know, inflation is typically not good uh, for equities, generally speaking. And I think, you know, from the gold side, I think it's a little bit different. And so I think generally speaking, the whole the whole market pulls back. But but the gold part's different. And I guess I can talk about Mavericks and its strategy where we just hold royalties. So we just get a percentage of the royalty uh, from various mines all around the world. And really there's no direct impact on us from inflation, but we do get the benefit of gold, which has been proven to be a great store of purchasing power over the long term. Right. So you, I, as a retail guy, I'm going to be nervous because of inflation. It's going to affect my disposable income. It's going to affect, therefore, my discretionary spend. And you think that in investing, you know, falls, you know, off the, well, falls down the pecking order, uh, <laughs> food, gas, electricity, uh, heating, et cetera, as, as it should. So, uh, Kevin, for someone like you, that's, that's not good news, is it? No, it's not. I mean, inflationary pressures are certainly um, a challenging environment to work in, especially when you're trying to develop something. Um, timing, timing is an issue sometimes. If, if someone does a, a preliminary technical report and then a year later does a feasibility and, and people say, why did it go up 25 percent? 
uh, well, it didn't. It's just a point in time where things are 25% more expensive. And then, well, what's going to happen then by the time you get your permits and build? Is it another 25%? So that creates this risk this risk uh, tolerance that uh, that we're in right now. And I, you know, I, you do say there's money in institutions, but um, not always, and, and they are quite selective. Right now, because of this volatility and people standing back, there aren't inflows into these institutions. So if they want to buy something new, they have to sell something they currently have. And they're reticent to do that in this volatile environment. So, you know, what we do at Anaconda is fortunately uh, with inflation, as Ryan said, the gold price does quite well too. And fortunately we have limited production that helps us with higher gold prices as we're trying to develop. But one of the important things we have beside that is a very, very exciting exploration play next to our current 3 million ounce resource. So like James, um, that that still is is quite exciting, whereas development stories alone are, are being looked at as, you know, we're unsure of what your actual cost is going to be and how much money you're going to need and whether that's enough. So we're getting that pushback about the development part of our story. So James, tell me this. You, you, you've been, you've worked in the city um, as a financier, fund manager, uh, you're now running a you know, very successful um, exploration uh, company. You've managed to sustain the, the story, which is great. Um, but the bit I want, what I want to want to come back to, and maybe you know, want all of you to kind of answer is why are institutions more right than retail in, the, in their decision to say, well, look, we will pick stories with strong fundamentals and despite the ec economic movement, the, the, the uncertainty, we are going to put our money in, in here. Why, why would they decide to do that? Why shouldn't they sit back like retail? Or why should retail invest like institutions? I think Kevin mentioned the word volatility. And I think even in gold, you've had quite high volatility just of late. You know, we had gold near on 2000 then back to 1900. And for ultimately, if you, if you sort of, as a retail investor, that's quite a frightening situation to be in because even what you thought was a safe haven said, oh, buy gold, that protector, even that's been quite volatile. So I think I think just of, of late, I think that's a bit, and obviously layer that with the inflation and the guys, especially on the operation side, where you've got, if you've got a $100 move in the gold price and people are worried about your inflation effect going the other way, you sort of get this very, you know, this increased concern in the short term and people you know, as Ryan said, a bit of a rush to cash, they might just feel more comfortable in cash. Um, so I guess that's to your first point, but I guess in terms of why maybe the institution's acting differently, um, I mean, as an institutional investor in the gold space, you should just be using the assumption that gold will hold its value relative to everything else. So if you use that assumption in your models, you can you can do that, or that'll you know, calm things down. You're, you're probably not looking at, you know, spot gold price all the time and getting too worried about that. And so then you're making an asset allocation on really on quality ultimately, and and go back to, you know, looking for um, businesses that have high margins. It's environment, so you, you you want to you know you know find producers that have got high margins, so they'll sit in that space. You want to find exploration assets that have potentially high margins in the future, and then you want to find businesses that are going to find more gold ultimately through exploration. So. They're just a lot more patient. I mean, there's a lot more patient in, the, in their approach, um, so they can do that. Um, I think I think I, I I totally agree with your comment on quality, but it's not only the quality of the asset; it's the quality of the team that's going to develop that asset. And we know in the industry that you can have an average deposit that does quite well with the right team in, engaged, but you can have a good quality project that gets destroyed with the wrong people. Uh, 
so so it really is the quality of the team, the history of their success, uh, and the and the quality of the project, obviously. But uh, it, it, t- it takes all three. But how, yeah. how, how do you define that? How do you say we need a good quality team? I've been there and done it before is, is a great line. You kind of want to hear this. I, you know, I've, I've done this twice before. That, that's fantastic. But not everyone's in that lucky position. So how do we determine what good looks like as, as it you know, as pertains to the, the management team? What, what, what would you say, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an experience thing. I think, you know, you need enough people and you get a you know, sense for people in terms of how they might behave in certain situations. I think that Kevin and James both have correct. I think it's a combination of having people that you trust so that's sort of an intuition that everyone, I think, has and, and a combination of good fundamental underlying assets as well. And you know, I guess to me, one of the big differentiators, and it's not really so much between, in my mind, institutions or retail, it's people that have the stomach and the psychology uh, to basically invest when it's toughest and, and conversely sell when it's the highest. And to me, it's that psychology that actually to me is the big differentiator. And in my mind, if you have trust in the people and the asset, or you know, ideally one or the other or both, uh, then you can really persevere and commit more capital when when times are you know tougher. Which is, I would suggest now, where you know the gold prices come down a little bit, equities have sold off a reasonably you know amount. So I would suggest that it's probably a good time for people to make a counter cyclical move and and actually think about putting money into the sector. I, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, steal anything from Warren Buffett. But it really is. It really is the Warren Buffett mentality at the moment. In that, if you buy something where you believe the fundamentals and you believe in the team and the asset, then if it goes down, you should not be upset. You should buy more. So, you know, that's the case. I think nowadays, it's 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 you've really got to pick the right assets with the people that have the history of bringing them through. And there are going to be up and downs. Nothing shoots straight up except for Rupert. <laughs> Look, I, I, I think it, it is, you know, from my experience, what are we doing? My, my we just invested in just a smaller portfolio of really good quality companies. Just that's how, that whole approach. And, and, and that good quality comes across everything. It's the management. It's that, it's that transparency. It's the fact that they don't, in the current environment, make some short-term move that you just think, why, you know, some left-field moves, then why are you suddenly changing your business? Are they still making good investment decisions? You know, you're an investor in the sector. So just look for the companies that are making or continuously have a good, you know, good track record of making good investment decisions. And that's really what it comes down to. They are, you know, they're investing the money that you, that you put into the company in a, in a way. But um, contrar- so. contrarian investing sounds fantastic. But when, it, when, the, when the rubber hits the road, you know, you, 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 that moment arrives, you get all nervous, Right, you, you, all logic goes out the window. You're like, well, what if? You, you kind of forget the planning. You forget the theory. It's, it's, it's kind of like the theory of like getting fit. Yes, I'll join. I'll join the um, the, the gym, and I, I will do some exercise. But actually, when it comes down to that moment, you may have to make that decision. It's 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 tough. I think that's sometimes the the, the problem with some retail investors, including myself. Sometimes is is you you can't invest and trade emotionally. So um, it's really important that, that what I said earlier, to, if you believe in the fundamentals and they have not changed and only the price of the stock has changed, then take that opportunity. Either it's gone up and you sell it because it's hit a point that you're willing to, that you believe is, is, is a reasonable value, or it's gone down and you want to buy more because you still believe it's going to go up. And that's, you can't do that if you're doing it emotionally. 
No. And, and, and this, this industry is famous for people falling in love with things at all across levels, whether it's geologists falling in love with assets and, uh, and selling something. Uh, uh, and, and I'm just going to, I just, uh, I said to you before a few times, Matt, you know, it's always this trouble. Oh, if you just give me a little bit more money, it might look better if you see what I mean. <laughs> uh, and I guess it's that, um, you know, that emotion runs all the way through, but it is ultimately, you have to strip that back. And it's very hard to do that and have that discipline. Ultimately, even even in in institutional investing, you you, you still have that as a, as an element, and it's like um, you know you think, oh no, I'll buy this leverage stock because I think the gold price is going to go up. But a leverage stock is usually a high quality, high not a high quality business. It's usually a high cost business, and so you know a lot of people straddle for all these other ways to try and make money in these environments, but. Yeah, just go back to the fundamentals and, and keep some discipline. So, so if, if I look at that, so where, where do you sort of sit then? James, I'll throw this one at you. Where do you sit between like sort of fundamental uh, analysis versus technical analysis? Because I, I, yeah, well, what, what do you think? So between fundamental and technical analysis, yeah. well, I guess I'd say they're sort of somewhat of the same. I meant technical um, from a perspective. Sorry, yeah, yeah, we can see where you come from. I meant technical from a perspective of looking at past performance, just the, the, the numbers side of things to be able to forecast what the company might do in the future versus sort of... Yeah, well, I, I guess, yeah, I, I probably... Uh, past performance is, is great, but it doesn't really... Yeah, you, you, the fundamentals analysis is much more important because ultimately you, you, there may, may have been a step step change in that company in the past that was 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 a driver for its, its past performance or past underperformance. So I guess you, you can look at that. Um, no, I was never a big. I'm not, I'm not a big chartist or technicals on that side at all. It has to be based on the fundamentals and doing a bit more work. And I, and I think, you know. And that comes, and how do you actually do the fundamental analysis? It's quite hard, especially as a retail investor, to, to, to have the time to do that and to get the information you need to do that. And I, and I think that's where the retail investor is a bit challenged. There, there's all this stuff out there that's saying, this is a great company, that's a great company, do that, but maybe what's behind it? So, um, yeah, uh, I think um, it, the, only, the, only, the best way to look at in technicals is probably to look back, for me, was always to look back through people's past news releases or presentations that they've given if they're on their website maybe for their last like five years and see what the consistency is in the presentation after the five years that was a really good sort of i'm thinking of like a odd technical thing that retail can do that's quite an interesting way to do it i, th I think the i'm i'm also not a big chart reader technical analyst but uh, for in my in my history what i've noticed is if the fundamentals are right and continue to be right and the technical analysis is showing a decline in the stock that it may or may not go up. And if the technicals are right, saying a stock's may go up, but the fundamentals are wrong, it may or might not go up. But when they match the technical analysis and the fundamentals, it's almost always going in the right direction uh, based on that analysis. So, uh, but I think the technical analysis isn't this really, I mean, I mean, it seems, it seems like a voodoo scientific mathematical thing, but at the end of the day, all it's telling you is really momentum drivers and what the market is actually doing. It's not, it's not company specific. As a matter of fact, the leading technical analyst at, at Bank of Montreal for years would do technical analysis on companies without knowing the name or what they did in, in what industry they were in. They would just do it on based on the charts because it doesn't matter. It's just showing you momentum drivers and, and, and fundamental, um, uh, you know, the, the mentality of the market at the time. 
And Brian, what, where, where do you sit in this? Because you, you've got to get this right over multi cycles. If, when you when you make a bet, i.e., when you when you um, you know invest into a company, you you've, you're there, right? You're, you're you're in it unless you you, you flip the um, the unless you flip it to someone else, I guess. Whereas you know funds. Um, private equity firms, um, you know, institutions, they can trade in and out of the stock, right? They've got that option. You, you need to be really sure about your investment. So how, how do you look at it? Yeah, I mean, when we, when we buy royalties, our goal is to hold them forever. And so, you know, basically our first dollars are in or our last dollars are in, and we plan it to be a permanent element of our portfolio. And I think one of the great things about, I guess, particularly on the royalty model you know, of itself, is by its own nature, it's sort of sort of counter-cyclical in a way, whereas you tend to see a lot more opportunities to do transactions in higher stress environments where prices tend to be lower just naturally. And conversely, in higher price environments, you know, we generate more cash flow, uh, which we build up and wait for those opportunities when things turn down or new opportunities arise where people require the money and you can actually get a good return. So I think to me, it's it's getting in sync with that with that sort of cycle, because it is a cyclical business. I think as, as everyone knows, any commodity is. And I think, you know, just going back to our previous discussion on, you know, being able to withstand volatility, I think one of the key things is to rely on fundamentals. I don't think any chart of any type, whether it's positive or negative, is gonna give a lot of people comfort if the price moves suddenly up or down. People will be wondering why it's moving up or down, particularly down, obviously, because that'll probably likely encourage people to sell even more. Um, and so to me, it all comes down to the fundamental aspects of what is the risk and what is the return? And frankly, you know, looking at operating businesses as well as, you know, where are you in that cycle of, you know, value add? So if you look at James and Kevin's businesses, they're very early on in that value add stage of its own company life cycle. You can feel confident that value will be added over time. Okay, and Ryan, I just just want to stick on this one because I, I I struggle with technical analysis too because I I think companies and CEOs and boards are able to make decisions very very quickly which can change make or break the fortunes of the company. Um, you know, and I don't I think it's hard to kind of factor those things those things in. Um, but if I look at some of the things which are the big topics at the moment, um, which may be affecting people's perception of um, you know. The, the the pluses or minuses of investing in in uh, junior equities, mining equities at the moment, which is okay. Inflation is a topic talked in every conversation you're having at the moment. I suspect, but is is inflation at a, a company level sustainable? Will they, will will prices come back down, uh, or will they sustain, or will they continue to increase? And also for in, in coming back to the conversation we talked about retail in terms of disposable income and um, available to them, do you think that's going to come back down? So it, it, it's kind of you're intertwined there, certainly on, on the explorer side. I uh, sorry the junior exploration side because. If retail don't come back in, we may go back to sort of the situation we saw back in 2011, 12, 13, where retail mm -hmm. came out of the market. And that caused big problems, big problems for brokers, big company for problems for junior uh, explorers. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's funny. I remember being on a panel uh, back in uh, 2015 uh, with a series of other institutional fund managers. And uh, I was the only one that had any desire whatsoever uh, to invest in the junior side of the business. And to me, it's the big, it's almost like the venture capital space. Well, it is the venture capital space of our sector. And to me, that's the spot 
that you know money flows out of the fastest and where there's sometimes huge opportunities you know just in terms of because where it is in the value cycle and to me going back to fundamentals i think it really is the driver of value in the business is generating new exploration discoveries new development projects that type of thing it's such a huge driver of value and i think you know from a retail investor standpoint you know inflation certainly is a big concern but i think one of the great things about and even particularly the on the exploration side the gold's not going anywhere in the ground and so gold tends to be a great mirror or beneficiary from inflation in the sense that it typically at least keeps up with it and and it's almost a direct correlation immediately whereas you know if, you, if you're a general equity investor you know you sometimes have to wait before prices react when they can adjust prices for consumers for those goods whereas this is more i would say direct drive and consistent with with inflation so i think it's probably one of the better if not the best uh investment to make in a high inflation environment i think one of the things that that, that junior companies uh, can can be up against too as a challenge when they first start is liquidity and you've got institutions and funds that say we'd love to invest it sounds very exciting but our minimum investment would take over your company because and there, and then we wouldn't be able to get rid of it because there's no liquidity but every large company with great liquidity started somewhere so it's that it's that gap in between convincing people this will become more liquid as it becomes more valuable and it will become more valuable because we've got good fundamentals and therefore um you know put a bit in now and stay with us and and continue to do so so you know that's a challenge that uh you know myself personally having started several companies and 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 brought them through the beginning is always tough um then then expiration success is is I shouldn't say easy, but it, but you can raise money because you're into something and it's new and it's fresh, and then you get to development again, and you're going to hit this what people call the flat line on the Lasan curve, and and you know our company particularly at Anaconda, we look at that and we say, okay, there's a flat line now for developing our mine in Nova Scotia. We're going to, we're going to stick a wedge in that and create quite some excitement by exploring next to it. Where's the best place to find gold? Is right next to a current large deposit or in the shadow of a head frame? and our extension to the west of our 3 million ounces has both of those so you know you create excitement to 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 eliminate that potential of being flatlining while you're while you're going towards the what people consider boring development phase yeah you, you, but also you're not really i guess come back to this inflation thing i guess the developers are nervous because um yes see someone um, said earlier you know the these economic studies the numbers are changing dramatically uh, people get, and i've seen a few companies get really whacked um people have put studies out um the beginning of this year numbers were far higher than predicted for obvious reasons but the market didn't factor that into the decision making they got marked down and it's been hard for them to come back so th- that's why i'm sort of intrigued about is this inflation just um you know which people are transitory temporary uh, or 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 not you know will, will things get back to normal or is there a new normal that we as investors need to be cognizant of and obviously what does that do to you know margins because gold is turning that 1900 uh, mark again it's 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 not moving and uh, where and other commodity prices are, are shooting through the roof so maybe maybe it'll be okay they all cancel each other out but what what effect does um this 
current inflationary position and possible future inflationary position have on companies' behaviour? I mean, James, I mean, how do you come I, back? I, I don't think it's that long ago since we experienced it, really. You only have to you know, go back to the financial crisis and everything about that. And then, obviously, we had this whole run in all, gen, all commodities after that, or up to that, and you had this highly inflationary environment. Certainly on the construction side, you had you know, record iron ore prices, steel prices going through the roof. You know, for the for the industry, it wasn't that much. You know, it, it has similarities. We had oil prices through the roof then as well. So you had energy costs, you know, rip sky high. So we have been through this before. And obviously that did have an impact on producer margins. Um, but ultimately, look at the gold price over the last 15, 20 years. You know, it, it, it's more than compensated for that. So I guess it depends on the again, on the timeline of that investment for those guys, because it might, when those guys put out a study and today there's an impact on inflation, perhaps that's an opportunity for these investors to actually buy in if they really think it's a good project, because because by the time they bring the project into production, you know, that relatively short-term impact of inflation or, you know, over, you know, multi-year inflation, if the project's going to be around for 10 or 15 years, it's just a case, can they stomach that? So it goes back to Ken's point. If it's a fundamentally a really good thing that they want to invest in and the stock's got you, maybe it's a good time to buy some more. Um, because, um, you know, it, unless gold's suddenly going to change its behaviour um, that it's had for the, you know, for, for tens and tens and tens of years, basically throughout modern financial history anyway, it's going to provide that natural hedge. I think there's always a, I think there's always an opportunity for rollovers in these situations because there's trailing numbers. What what I see, and I'm not an economist, so I, I'm just I'm just a mining engineer. But what I see is um, it, it's a trailing number. So in other words, if you have really quick um, inflationary pressures and the costs are going up, the gold price is going to go up, but not exactly at the same time. It's trailing. Mm-hmm. And that's on the shoulder of, of, of inflation happening. What about the other end? Because it has to taper off. It can't go forever or, or, and, and gold not go up along with it or all gold mines are closed down and that, that creates the su- supply demand curve again and it comes back. But it's that, it's that delay of, of the two in sync that create some issues. And I think we're on the shoulder of this inflationary environment on the, on the front shoulder of that moving up. And, and the gold price is going to trail. And you're always going to have that delta over time, but it's those shoulders that, and, and, and perhaps in two or three years when we're building a large mine, maybe the rollover is happening and, and um, you know, perhaps pricing is starting to come down, but gold's still high. I mean, that's, that's a hope and a prayer as well, but, but it happens. But, but if he, some of the things that you guys have said, and, and Ryan, can I come in on this one, is, okay, you've got to take the motion out of investing. You said that. Uh, I, I agree um, w- with that. Um, but I need some kind of practical examples of what I should be looking for. Because if, if, if history repeats, as, as James said, we're, we're going this emotional roller coaster when we shouldn't be going on one um, any, anything, no emotional decision making. I think we're violently agreeing on, on, on that. Is... What do we need to look? What's important to look at, and what's not important to look at? Right. I mean, in, in, in this, how do I simplify and strip out, strip out the rubbish, and focus on what's important if I'm going to if I'm going to be a fundamental investor? I think it really has to come down to really what you believe in terms of whether it's the asset or the people, right? And to me, people are such a big part of it. You know, just talking about you know inflation on some of these projects, and I think 
a lot of that was actually due to probably some mismanagement, you know, to some basically aggressive behavior in relation to the project. And so I don't think it's all just the inflation environment. And I think to me, it's all about, you know, I guess people and project for starters, but I think just as a, an investor, I mean, I think one thing I think that is critical is you look at the different parts of the gold industry in a sense of what you can invest in. And so I would say that the most safe investment in terms of volatility and so forth is literally just physical gold. So that, that's sort of one end of the spectrum. And then you go down to the other end of the spectrum, which you know ex early exploration uh, would be the most risky, but also offers most return. And to me, it's a matter of measuring you know, what type of risk appetite you have to be able to withstand the volatility. So if you're someone who just does not like volatility too much, but really you know, believes in the idea of gold, which we certainly do at Mavericks, uh, I would go stick more towards the physical gold aspect of things. And then if, you have, if you're somewhere in between, I'd probably encourage people to do a bit of a mix of physical gold, you know, royalty companies, producers, and some exploration and developer type companies. So you can kind of feel safe that you've got the, the whole lane covered. I think one of the most important things to look at in the, in the development or late exploration phase companies is uh, a lot of companies will go out and say, look, this is, we did our feasibility at 1550 gold or 1600 and these are the numbers, but that's not what's important. What's important are the sensitivities. So looking at sensitivities, what if you have a 10 year, for instance, we have an 11 year mine life at, at, uh, right now at, at, uh, at Goldboro in, in Nova Scotia in our feasibility. And what we like to show is not what happens at today's price of gold, which is much higher than our feasibility at. What we like to show is this still works and generates good profits at $1,200 gold US because we need, to, we need to work within a range over the next 11 years and, and gold goes up and down. And it's very, very important to look at sensitivities. What would happen if this cost 25% more to build and gold was 25% lower? Does it still work? And, and looking at those sensitivities gives you the robustness of the project. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is all about that. I mean, that, it goes back to that robustness. And I mean, you've got the people side, but when if you look to, if, and one way for investors to do this is for the producers, it's quite, quite good. You can actually go back and look at them over time and see what the robustness of their, if you want to do some technical work, you go back and just look at their, their historic margins over time. Uh, um, and you'll find that there's a few companies, certainly over the last 10 years, that do stick out above the others, even through the gold prices we have. And they've had consistently higher margins. And that's come down to two points, the assets and the people. So it brings the two together. So you can measure that, but you know, you'll see that actually coming through the numbers. And then you sort of look at their businesses going forward. But but again, I mean, I guess going back to the expiration side, you've really got to try and find the outliers, the things that have got higher grades, the things that aren't, you know, you know the companies got there's enough information out there to know that it's not metallurgically complex. There's not something that's going to come with these projects that is, you know, it's not in a part of the world that kept, carries a lot higher risk than anything else it, you're just trying to manage that that risk and expiration just find that you are just looking for the outliers and, and sometimes you might have to come in a bit later once it's partly been discovered or you know things have been discovered but you know if you if you're as Kevin said if you if you'll find if there's a big deposit being found there's usually going to be something else found quite close to it over time so that's another way of going and you don't always have to think you've you've missed the boat if you look at I mean, Great Bear has been an interesting example, hasn't it? You know, people, I watched that from the sidelines and they made a few discovery holes. It, it looked quite interesting. And then it, it kind of just got better and better and better because they found more nearby. But, you know, it, it's in a well-established well, well -established area of the world. So I guess um, 
again, retail investors shouldn't be too too concerned about the entry points ultimately, but they need to make sure fundamentally it looks something exceptional. So, the, the, so moments like this, um, the, these economic uncertainty, it, it causes a shakeout, a shakeout between win- winners and losers. There's companies that can withstand the the, the, the strong wins, as it were, um, and. I, 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 I think that's great. I think it's great for all industries to kind of go through this. Um, there will be some M and A off the back of it. You know, people need the the, the, the majors or the materials looking to you know fill uh, top up on their resource and, and reserve numbers um, for, for sure. But again, coming back to us investors, there, there needs to be kind of shake up in our thinking. I, I, I suspect. Do we need to change the way we think to, um, in, in, in terms of like this new re- new reality, or will things just settle back down to the mean? What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, no, I think it'll, it'll certainly probably be volatile for the next little while. I think you know, just generally speaking, you know, you look around the world at various you know asset prices and things, and to me, the gold space is probably one of the few spaces that's probably unloved and been unloved for I would say a fair while. Whereas you've got other sectors, probably most in the world that have done very well over the past decade. Uh, whereas gold has been, I would say, on the sidelines almost because everything has done well. And so to me, I think there'll be some volatility, but I think you want to you want to basically gravitate towards sectors and areas that have been unloved because that just gives you a better chance uh, for a good risk return ratio. And so to me, I think it'll it'll come back certainly. And to me, it's it's a matter of timing and be able to withhold withhold the the money there and without being panicked. I think that's a very good point, right? It's 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 timing. It's, you know, if you want to buy a stock in the morning and you're arguing why it hasn't gone up by the end of the day, I think that's a little difficult, right? So, you know, timing, you got to have a, a, you know, a timing perspective that's, that's realistic. Um, so if somebody has a plan uh, to discover gold and build a mine, I mean, that's 10 years. So, you know, it, it, it's not going to happen and, and the stock's not going to shoot straight up. It, it's going to go up on discovery. It's going to flatten out if the next holes aren't as good as the first ones. And then it's going to go up again with further. Then then it's going to be boring while we're you know, developing and trying to permit. And then, you know, and eventually it gets built and you get, you get a re-rating and how you're valued. And all of a sudden um, you've gone from a penny stock to a, to a, to a company worth a billion dollars. And, and, but it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, uh, look, it, 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 yeah, it is patient capital. That's the thing. I guess um, you 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 have to be like that. But it is a it, 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 and Kevin said it's about the timing. Ultimately, um, look at in. I guess we see too much, I, I, too many people sort of worrying about the really short term impacts. And obviously, news these days, around in my time investing in Baker still thirteen years. The difference in the sort of new density of news flow every day was just like got higher and higher and higher and higher. So. Uh, and so people's, you know, long-term investing became like three months for, for a while there, it felt like. Um, but the resources sector is multi-year. But but it's interesting. I think the mining sector as a whole um, has been pretty unloved for the last 10 years. And, and I'm interested. It's had a bit of a flurry of interest on the battery metal sector. But even then, you're really only touching sides there. So I think it will be very – just beginning to, 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 to see that see that happen. So – James, do you think moments like 2020, where you know momentum was a big, well, I think it was the, 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 that was the, the thing of 2020. We saw um, big investments back into the space, uh, yeah. commodity prices starting to run at different times, albeit. Um, do you think that's a good thing for the industry, or, we, or you know, because um, 
anything that needed to get funded got funded, whether it should or not. Should whether it should have or not is another matter. I, I don't think it's as bad as been as bad as the past, though. I, I, really? I, not that many people got funded. I mean, we we've been around since uh, 2016, so we started right at the bad times, and then 2020 people started to think, "Oh, this is quite interesting." But but even then, I, I think back to like. Yeah, over the last 20 years, it's the amount of financings you can look at, and they were nowhere near the, the hype that we had before. Certainly, we have seen that in things like the lithium sector, and, and I think that's a, you know that's a that's a bit of an issue. You have lots of projects, and not many people know anything about the lithium sector, to be honest. So it, it, it's very hard to know. So you've had bubbles in little spaces, but not as a whole. I don't. It, it's a it's a good thing that there's interest back in the space, but yeah, the the um, the discipline on the allocation of capital to them into back into it. Oh, that's. Yeah. I think in a in a bull market, um, the you know in, in a bull market when there's a big jump peak of, of people's interest into it and then a waning of it. As long as it's still a bull market, that actually creates what I call a shakeout of the weak holders, and and that just creates a stronger market going forward. If you're in a bear market and that happens. You're going to have the situation where your where your you know where your dollar stocks go down to under ten cents, and people are doing ten cent specials with their hat handed out. So, you know, it, it depends on the market, I think, and on the timing. But uh, shakeouts are good in a bull market. Yeah, and people often view volatility as bad. Whereas, I guess I take a bit of a different approach and think it's the opportunity. It's the opportunity to buy when things go down, and it's the opportunity to sell when things spike higher. And people should take advantage of that and use that. Is, is part of their investment philosophy, I think. Okay. Well, look, gentlemen, I, I think it's a big topic. We'll probably talk for another four hours, quite frankly, um, on, on this. And maybe the beer in the hand would be more, more interesting. Um, but um, look, thank, thank you very much for your um, time today. Um, I think, you know, for those watching and listening to this, these are three companies which um, I, I rate highly in terms of the way that they are run. Some of the things that the guys are talking about today in terms of the, um, the, 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 te- the teams, the, the business models and, and, and the um, business uh, plan solid here. So Ryan McIntyre of Mavericks Metals, Kevin Bullock of Anaconda Mining and James Withel of Rupert Resources. I thank you very much, gentlemen. Okay, thank you. Thanks, James. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good rest of your day.